Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning. And good morning to all you dads, fathers on Father's Day. We finally get a day. We finally get a day, you know, it's like if it comes around, it's not as big as Mother's Day, I grant you, that's okay with us, right? And so, uh, but welcome everybody, and if this is your first time with us at the Vineyard, uh, so glad you came out today, thank you. Hey, um, I gotta, I gotta ask a couple of questions, okay, because it is Father's Day. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? An irrelevant This is kind of jokes we dads tell. I mean, I, you know, it's like, why do you never see elephants hiding in trees? Because they're so good at it. It's just, you know, they're good. Well, you guys aren't, aren't laughing. You're like my granddaughter who just looks at me and goes, pop. Like, hey, uh, you know, fathers, um, what can you say? On special days like Father's Day, it, it gets a little, uh, for pastors especially, it can get a little uh, sensitive because I realize very much so that fathers and dads, that not everyone has had a, a wonderful experience growing up or maybe even where you are right now. And so I want you to know that, that I know that, that the church knows that and... and uh, and I also know that whenever we have special days, days where we have an emphasis on uh, like moms, dads, or, or when we're preaching a series about a particular, uh, maybe it's marriage or it's being single or whatever, you know, that you always run the risk of excluding some people or there may be painful issues in their history that causes people to kind of withdraw and check out. And I want you to know, we know, we know that and, and uh, are sensitive to that. But see, this is the church this is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the body of faith. And in the body of faith and within our communities where we live in our neighborhoods and, and the people we are involved with at work, uh, our neighbors, our friends and all, they are indeed fathers, grandfathers, mothers, daughters, sons. They all carry this complex kind of orbit with them. All of us have this. And so as we move through life together, the church of Christ, the church of Jesus, where the Holy Father has invested his presence into it, we are the salt of the earth. We're there in all of those issues. And not only are we there to be kind of healing and to point to, as Bob was leading us a while ago, the good, good father, but you know, we're, we're in need of healing as well. We've come through things with our experience and, and some of us are battered and bruised through, through it. And so I realize that, but the church itself, when we talk about these things, if, if this particular issue is not like very special to you, it is special to someone you love and someone you care about. And as followers of Jesus, we're there to be the salt and the light. And so you know, any sermon, any teaching, any small group lesson you're in, as you work through things, every single one of them will be relevant to us in some way. 
And that's why I take notes everything. No matter what's going on, I take notes. I, I realize I can sink it down into, into my heart, into my head. And at some time, I'm going to be able to use this to, to hopefully, if not help me along in the journey, then I'll be able to have it available for friends and people who come into my life that I want to be able to encourage. And so uh, when, whenever we hit these special days, you know, I, I think it includes all of us, don't you? I think that we all... We all uh, have someone that we know that's a dad or granddad. And, and so I want, I want to encourage you to, to hang in there. And I know that it's a, ch a challenge. You know the, that there are a third of children under 18. A third of all children under 18 are being raised without a father in the home. It's like 31% or greater right now. And that statistic has gone from 1960 being 8% in 1960 to just last year being 31%. That's, that is an, a, just a, a really sad statistic. And so, honestly, we, the church, whether we've been a part of that or whatever, God has healing for us. And we, as the church, we want to be fully engaged in, in, in seeing healing come and see See that God, you know, gets his way in our lives and in our family. So, like I said, I hope, you, I hope you'll engage and you'll hang in here with me as we look at a few things about a joyful father, a happy father. And our text, if you turn your hand out over, just kind of flip it over. The one you took, flip it over, you'll see a little fill-in on the back. I do this every Sunday so that you can track with me. And I tell people it's kind of like a surfboard leash for me. It means I can't stray very far. <laughs> if I fall off, I can get back on. So it's, it's helpful for me. It keeps me focused and going in the right direction. And uh, so I don't get too disconnected from the topic. And so that's what that is. And I hope that... Uh, that you will uh, follow along too and should have received a pen and that. And there's, they're on the back uh, shelf back there if you would like to pick one up. So let's pray and then we're going to read in Hebrews. The passages of scripture are in that handout on the back side as well. And so uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for a day uh, that we can celebrate those who have indeed given us life. And most of all, Lord, celebrate who you are as a good, good father. And I ask for your help today, God. I ask for you to uh, work through my weaknesses, that you would give me uh, the gift of teaching that you said was available to us. And so I'm asking for that this morning. I am asking, Lord, for hearts here that are, are broken, and maybe this topic is sensitive, that, Lord, your wonderful love and your wonderful faithfulness and caring would permeate this place in such a way that healing would begin today and Lord for those of us who are fathers granddads great granddads Lord I pray that you would encourage us so much we have this day today to be a joyful father to be a joyful granddad to be a joyful great granddad or spiritual father but we have this day Lord and from this day forward we can move forward with intention Lord and with help from you so Lord Help us see your word. And Jesus, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, come and do your good work. Amen. Well, the writer of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, uh, is talking about the discipline of God. And he's talking about how it's a good thing when God disciplines us. But when he gets to the 10th verse in the 12th chapter, I notice, I notice this phrase. Listen to this and we'll read it together. It'll be up on the screens for us. For our earthly fathers, that should be disciplined, not discipled, disciplined us 
for a few years. They discipled us too, but it's discipline. Us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. It's true, isn't it? I mean, most dads, most fathers are what? Doing the best they know how. They really are. Trying to do the best they know how. They're trying to get it done. You know, when our first son was born, Jason, after a few years, I joked around that I realized he was the X1 model. That we experimented on him. Because, I mean, I was 24. Karen was 23. When Jason came along, we were just fresh out of teenage years. And, and uh, you know, when you're 24, you think you know everything. Uh, just no slam on you 24-year-olds. But uh, I, have, I have really, it's amazing how much you realize you don't know after so many years. Uh, but I knew a lot more in the 20s. Um, and, and so, you know, we experimented. It's, it's like, oh, I know how to do this. Let's do this. Let's discipline this way, that way. And, uh, and, and I thought, man, I'm finally learning how to father my son. And then I had a daughter and had to throw everything away. <laughs> it was like daughters. I was raised with all brothers. You know, I mean, I was being around girls was absolutely the most weird thing ever. I mean, they didn't respond. You know, you, you, how do you communicate? It was, I, I think, in a way, my daughter probably parented me more than I parented her. And helping me uh, grow up in some ways. And uh, by the time our last son arrived, it was, uh, it was like I was just totally confused. And so, um, you know, he got, he got the leftovers. But it, but it is true. We, we do the best we know how, isn't it, dads? We just, we just try to give it the best we have. We try to. And, that, and you know, this is your first fill-in if you want to follow along and fill it in. And it's this, that a joyful father... It is, he is not a perfect father. He is an imperfect father. But you can still be joyful. You can still have so much joy in the fathering and enjoying the relationship with your children. A joyful father is an imperfect father. I mean, it has, on the way here this morning, it occurred to me that my dad has an influence on me on ways I never noticed. And I looked down at my hand and I looked at my wedding band. And I have a white gold wedding band for one reason. That's all I saw on my dad's finger when I was growing up. It was a white gold wedding band. I didn't think about it till this morning. But my whole life, it was white gold. And so when, when I got married, I was like, I'm going to have the same ring. I'm going to have the same ring he has. And it never occurred to me that at three children. You know, from early age, I thought, I grew up with three. I'm going to have three. That's the way it should be. The influence they have. This is going to be real redneck, so you guys can, um, part of this can. I carry a knife. Because Horry County, yes, that's true. And uh, true. But here's the story. Here's the story. Because... My dad was a contractor his whole life. That's all we ever knew. Growing up in a small business in our home, my mom paid the bills, had a little office attached to the house. Dad drew the drawings. He built the houses, the banks, the hotels. He did it all right out of the house. And uh, so we grew up with that. But one day when I was a teenager, he had me on the job, and I'm standing on the scaffold, and I'm working, and he jumps up on the scaffold. He's the boss, and he looks at something. He says, give me your pencil. And I'm like, uh, I don't have one. Because he wanted to sharpen his pencil, right? He says, give me your knife. I said, uh, I don't have one. He said, what good are you? Go home. 
So, ever since then? That's right. That's right. Hey, I learned, right? I mean, they have, you know, fathers have bearings. They're, they're not perfect. They're not perfect. And they pass on things to us that are wonderful. And sometimes they pass on things that are not so great that we want to. But they're, they're imperfect. But it doesn't mean you can't be a joyful dad. You can't be a happy father. That you can't enjoy this life and enjoy the people you're around. And enjoy your children and your grandchildren. And are the children of others. Or It doesn't mean that. And you know, the writer of Hebrews is drawing this correlation in this moment. Right here with this verse. And he's saying, you know, fathers, they did the best they knew how. They did. But there is a father who is perfect. And there is a father... That when he disciplines, whenever he disciples, if we want to change the verse, uh, he does it very well. And that is God the Father. He does it in such a way that it always has a good outcome in our lives. It works toward what this scripture says, sharing in his holiness. And that is who he is, his character. Sharing in uh, how he looks at life, how he loves, how he cares. And so the Father, who is perfect... And uh, he's there. But our fathers, our earthly fathers, no, they're not perfect. But most of us are giving it a good shot, aren't we? Most of us are trying. So, the Bible's full of fathers who failed. Did you know that? You ever read this thing? You ever read the Bible? I know some of you get into it and you go, this is a weird book. You know? and I, I, but you've got you to keep on going. It's really one story. One story. It's not. It's lots of sub stories working toward the grand story, is what it is, and that's the way you read it. You read it that way, and in the Old Testament especially, you will see fathers who failed over and over and over again: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Eli, who had some loser slacker sons. I mean, these boys were in bad shape you know and he didn't discipline them he didn't do anything in their life and I mean the stories are right there and yet God used Eli David who had probably the most dysfunctional family you'll ever read about in the Bible and uh, David's right there but yet he was a man after God's own heart now the reason those stories are in there are to put some flesh on this as far as two things one we're not perfect but secondly we need some help we need some help. We dads need help. We are very imperfect. God turned these stories. That wasn't that it wasn't a price to pay. And all of the failures and all that we see. But God took that as he says in the New Testament. In Romans 8.28. And he turns it and he works it for good eventually. He redeems it because that's his character. You see God the Father's character is to buy back, to redeem, to take something that's really bad and looks like it's a loss and turn it into something good. To bring good out of it. And so we have these examples not so we can go, well it's okay to be like Eli. It's okay to be like this because look how God used them. No, it's so that we can see we need help. Yes, God worked in spite of the failures. But we have a father who is perfect and good. And we can learn from him. That's why, especially the gospel of John. Uh, just take a look in your Bible. The gospel of John. John reflects God the father so many times. It's just filled with God the father. Matthew's the same way. The gospel of Matthew. 
you'll see example, example, example. Jesus talking about God, his father, our father. As putting the focus on what the perfect good father is like. And so, uh, but it does not mean that we imperfect fathers can't learn and can't grow and can't have great joy with our kids and our families and with those who look to us. So a joyful father is an imperfect father. So take yourself off the hook today, dads. Just kind of take yourself off of it. And yes, notice, notice how much help you need. That's a good thing. But know that God is a good father. And what he does is good. And he's available to you in Christ this morning. Now, the second, your second feeling is this. A joyful father, if you want to be a joyful dad, is a grateful father. A joyful father is a grateful father. A grateful father. Remember the story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son? Most everybody has at least heard the story, right? There are two sons that we know of in this story. And of course it's a parable, which means that Jesus is creating a story to make a point. So you can only take, you can only, you know, break it down so far. But there's a young son who comes to his dad and asks for his inheritance, which was totally a diss. I mean, that was such an insult for a son to come and do that early on. And this was the youngest son, too. So he comes and he asks his father for his inheritance, and his dad gives it to him. He leaves. He goes off to the city, to Myrtle Beach, or wherever, <laughs> you know. And, and I think one version says he blows it. Well, this is Tim's version. He blows it on riotous living. Now he's hitting the bars, one after the other, down the strip. And he's just spending that money because he got everything his dad was promised to him. And he just blows it, blows it, and recession comes. Recession comes and hits. And all of a sudden, he's out of, he has no money. And he's scrapping for food. And one day, this good Jewish boy finds himself in a pig pen eating corn. How's that? From the top to the bottom. And all of a sudden he has this lucid moment. This moment of clarity, if you will. When he goes, you know, in my dad's house, the servants ate better than this. The people that served him. I'm, I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to ask him for a job as a servant. At least I won't be eating corn. And you know, a good Jewish boy in a pig pen... Any, you guys know anything about Jewish people? <laughs> Pork. I mean, it was downhill, all the way downhill, right? And so he heads back home. And if you read the story in Luke 15, you see that the father was standing outside looking down the road, which to me speaks volumes. He wasn't, he had not written his son off. He was outside. He had hope and expectation of good that he was going to see him one day. So he was outside looking down the road when he sees him coming. The day had arrived. And I mean, I know it's a parable. It's a story that Jesus created. But in my mind, I see that father going out every day. Looking down the road. Every day expecting. And then one day he sees him. Because he knows his son and how he walks, he recognizes him. And what does the father do? Instead of going, sitting back and going, about time. <laughs> All right, let's see the groveling now. Yeah, let's see it. Come on, boy. You know, bring it on home. Come on, let's hear you beg. Let's hear you beg. Instead, 
The father gets up, runs down the road. Very unattractive for an older man who had to grab up his robe, pull it up, tuck it into his belt. That You just didn't see that happening. That was very demeaning to a father of a household like that. Picks it up, ties it in his belt, and he runs off down the road. He grabs his son, and he hugs him, and he kisses him. And his son, what does he do? He begins to make apologies. Father, I've sinned. You know, please forgive me. And, and, uh, and, the, and the dad, this is what always gets me. The dad interrupts him. He will not let him get his apology out. He stops him. He's like, quick. And I love that word. First word out of that father's mouth is quick. Bring the fatted calf. We're going to kill it. We're going to have a party. Bring the robe. Bring some shoes. Put them on his feet. Put a ring on his finger. And my son who was dead is alive. Right? This father in the moment was able to enjoy and be grateful for simply having his son back. There is something very powerful, fathers, about being able to retain our joy and having joy in our life when we celebrate. And we are grateful for even the small things. Do you know what got this son back? Was he sorry that he treated his dad that way? Was that what got him back? No. Hunger got him back. Hunger, desperation, and survival got that son back. Now when he got there, he started apologizing. But when he's in the pig pen, he's like, man, servants eat better than me. It wasn't, oh, I treated my dad horribly. I insulted him. Did that affect the father? No. The father was grateful for seeing his son and getting him back. And being grateful in the moment is something that changes our wiring and our brains. It helps our hearts. It helps our health. Being able to look in the moment and being grateful for any good movement in the right direction. And this father, this father did it. I mean, he could have said, yeah, you're right. You're right. You have sinned against me. You have. Yes, you have. Now I'm going to, you go over there with the servants and you're going to serve with them. But he didn't. He was so grateful for that moment of having him back. Uh, in July, in just two weeks, the preaching team is going to launch out in a series called A Gratitude Intervention. A Gratitude Intervention. Lauren's going to kick it off. And then the others are going to come in behind it. And we're going to be able to hear what it means to have intervention in our life. Of learning how to be kind and gracious and be thankful for the things that enter our life. So it changes, our, changes us. Uh, and this book, The How of Happiness, is kind of a scientific book I've been reading about all of this. Here are a few of the things I read. That being grateful helps you savor life in a more positive way. Being a grateful person. And this father, which is supposed to reflect God, right? The father. Um, it, it helps us savor. So when you find moments of time in your children or in life, be grateful for those moments. I had my granddaughter yesterday. She spent the night with us. And so we went to the surf shop. And, uh, you know, and then we, we went to Chick-fil-A. And we rode around. And we swung on the swing outside. And, and one of the things I think that God is really helping me with is he stops me in these moments. And he helps me grab hold of a second. So if I look at her blue eyes and I look at that blonde hair. She's nine years old now. And I can just look at her for a moment and snap. 
snapshot shot and look deep and grab that moment and be so grateful that I have lived long enough to see that precious, wonderful person. I don't know. It, it, you know, and scientifically, it releases these chemicals in our brains. It opens up neural pathways. It helps us feel better. There's a positive side to this. It, it helps us have a better attitude. You know, most people who have sucky attitudes are ungrateful. They're just ungrateful people. They don't, they, don't, they don't see the blessings and they don't see things and they're not grateful for the small things and it begins to affect us and, until all of a sudden we're crabby. We're just crabby and we don't appreciate the small things especially that people do for us or the things that we see or even those around us. And so a joyful father is a grateful father. It bolsters self-worth, being grateful does. It makes us more confident. Being a grateful person. And plus, it's contagious. It's contagious. Others see it. And suddenly, they lift up a little bit more. And they're like, maybe I should be more grateful. I mean, was this dad helping the young son that's back learn to be grateful? Maybe by his own attitude? Because he made the main thing the main thing, which was what? His son. His son. Wasn't about the inheritance. It wasn't about the loss. It wasn't about anything other than him. And he's home. I thought he was dead. But he's back. And I am so grateful for that. And in that moment, I wonder if this young son, you know, was, was like, wow, wow, wow. And it was changing him. Did you know being grateful helps us cope with stress and trauma? You create a grateful life. It helps you get healing. It helps you feel better. And uh, after 9-11, do you know what the number two emotion was that people were feeling? Gratefulness. Number one was sympathy for everyone who was hurt. But the number two emotion after 9-11 that most people felt was gratitude. Because suddenly they were taking an inventory and they were realizing, I'm grateful for this, I'm grateful for that. It refocused us. The more grateful you are, the more resilient you are. The more bumps and bruises you can take and snap back quicker. The more grateful you are, the less you are to compare yourself with others. Now, there's another brother in this story. Right? The older brother who was not grateful. You're going to have to read it. Read about it. <laughs> and psychiatrists say this. Here's a quote. Gratitude dissolves negative feelings... Anger and jealousy melt in its embrace. Fear and defensiveness shrink. Being a grateful person. So happy dads, joyful dads are grateful for the good things they have. The small things. Not just waiting on the big things. But in the moment. The people you have around you. And I want to say this to you, those of you who have dads. You know. Being grateful to them goes a long ways with helping us be grateful too. I'm just going to mention that. Um. All right, the last feeling is this. A joyful father is a generous father. A joyful father is a generous father. He's generous with his affection. He's generous with his laughter. He's generous with his wisdom. He's generous with his discipline. Good discipline. He's generous with his words. Notice I didn't say stuff in there. Right? Because really what we have to give is ourselves. 
And really what they want is us. Really what they want is us. And that's hard for some of us dads. because We weren't really raised to be touchy-feely. I mean, I wasn't raised that way. How about you? Six o'clock, boy, get up. My dad would always go, you awake? And I would always go, no. It's like, it's six o'clock, son. Get up. You know, let's go. A generous father. First Thessalonians, uh, the second chapter. Uh, there's a couple of verses there, 11 and 12, where Paul, the writer of this letter to the church in Thessalonica, makes this comparison. And he says, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. Pleaded, encouraged, and urged. And encouraged and urged is kind of the same word in the Greek here. And uh, pleaded, uh, you know, it's, it's, it has a sense of authority to it when it pleads. And, and fathers carry a certain amount of authority in the family. And so there is a, a sense of, you know, come on. Come on, you can do this. I could encourage you to do this. But the other two words are similar to the word for the Holy Spirit. You know, that comes alongside to encourage and to help Usher us along to help. And so that, that's the part of a father. The generous father of giving themselves. Um, the prodigal father did that, didn't he? He gave hope. He was looking for him. He was expecting him in Luke 15. Uh, the immediate response was overwhelmingly generous, wasn't it? The father. I mean, like I said, he wasn't measured the father was not measured in his response to his youngest son coming home. He was very generous with his acceptance, with his love, with his restoration. And God the Father is our greatest example. How generous was God with us, with his son for us. The generosity of a heavenly father who does everything that's good for us to pull us back to himself. You've got four fill-ins there at the end. And I just want to, these are Tim's little uh, PS's on the end that I think would help us. Uh, how can we bring joy to our fathers? This is for us today. The first one is a tough one. Because it's forgive them. And depending on where you are and what you've been through, please, I want you to take that with all, what's the word, a wisdom. Because sometimes there's a process that we have to work through to get to a point of forgiving. But I'm talking about the Hebrews 12 passage where it says most of them did what they knew to do. We all did. But we, we blow it. We mess up. We dads do. We're just trying. We're honestly trying hard. Most of us are trying really hard to do this well. So where we messed up, where we blew it, forgive us. Forgive us. Secondly, thank your dad. Now, some of you dead, depending on your generation, it gets a little weird. Because some dads are not used to being thanked. I mean, it gets a little awkward. 
for some of us, for fathers, depending on your generation and what you came out of, make them awkward. <laughs> just, just make them totally uncomfortable. Just go up and say, Dad, look them in the eyes. I said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. And uh, watch them. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, want to go play golf? Let's go. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Thank them. Write a note. Just write a note. But thank them. If you want to see a, a happier dad, a more joyous father, thank them. Forgive them. Thank them. And talk to them. Talk to them. I know it's awkward. Some of us dads, some of, we were not used to having no, normal conversation with our children. I mean, it's... If you're a child you have, and you don't have kids yet, you have no idea what it's like to have known a little being, a little alien that comes into your life. And all of a sudden, you're trying to do the best you can. And they come along, and they get older, and they get their own opinions. And uh, they, be, they go their own way. And all of a sudden, you're having to have normal conversations with people, with your kids. It's just different. I don't know how to say it, but it's, it's, a, it's really tough. So you can help us by talking to us. Just talk. Start a, start a conversation. Uh, my dad's supposed to be here at the, the next service. He's almost 95. And uh, I have to say the last seven years or so since uh, mom died, we have had more conversations, deeper conversations than we've ever had in our entire life. And uh, I, we both laugh. I cry. I'm laughing so hard most of the time. And, uh, and I'll have to say it's the sweetest absolute time I've ever had. But it's because we talk. We talk. And it's awkward at first. But we talk. And we listen. And lastly, help us. <laughs> help us. We need it. <laughs> help us. Help us, help us be a good father, a good granddad. Help us. And literally, help us. <laughs> like, I mean, if you come by the house and there's like stuff there that needs to be lifted or moved or whatever, help. You know, help us. Great things happen in those moments too when we all put our arms together, our hands together, we do something together. Help us jump in. Our Father, which the writer of Hebrews was trying to focus on, is a very good, perfect Father. We, we're trying. We earthly fathers are trying. We honestly are. We love. We're trying to help. We're measuring our discipline against. We're just trying to learn. But there is a Father who can give us help and who loves us, who is ready to forgive who gives his own presence to us. Who talks to us. All we have to do is listen. He's written us an amazing love letter. He sent us a picture. And he paid the price of his son. Dying on a cross for us. So that we could be reconnected to him. The good, good father. That's our father. And that's the father. The scripture tells us. Under whom all other fathers get their name. And who become fathers. So we look to you father. Our heavenly father to help us dads. 
be better dads and granddads and great granddads and spiritual fathers and people. And Lord, just help us do this thing better so that we can look more like you, Lord. Jesus, thank you that you showed us the relationship between you and your father. So help us do the same, Father. You know what, guys? You got this. You got this. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.